0: the Holy Sepulchre as we share together in Christian history is the site in which Jesus was raised from the dead there in Jerusalem. It has been in the news and in fact here in the U.S. it has been in the news and it caused me great concern. I don't know about you whether you picked up on it or not, but there was a news report in recent weeks that the Holy Sepulchre is in danger of collapsing. The structure over the stone on which Jesus was laid in his death, the structure around it is so unstable that they imagine that without doing anything to it, it could collapse very soon. And so they are busy at work, even now, making reparations. I bet if you were to ask Mary, or Peter, or John, they would wonder why it hadn't fallen before now. For they said it was a mind shift for them. And the very ground in that area must have been like an earthquake when he was raised from the dead. I've never felt an earthquake. But understand that it is as if the earth under you is liquid. And can you imagine what that would do to a foundation? Jesus' resurrection surely shook that tomb's foundation. Mary came while it was still dark, filled with such grief. As the story is told about her, she came bearing that grief to the tomb only to find when she arrived that the stone that she imagined would have been in place was no longer there. She knew immediately what had happened. Stones, you see, are not really kept in place to keep people in. They're put in place to keep people out, right? But this was a different scenario. And she could not imagine that anything had happened but that this grave had been robbed. When Peter and John heard the story that she told and raced to the tomb, they would have agreed that something bad had occurred. It says here at the end of this passage read this morning that the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. But what did he believe? Some might rush to think that he believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. But oh, wait, are we so eager to forget what's happening at that moment that they might have believed with Mary that that grave had been robbed? Let me read for you the passage that continues here. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she bent over, to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying one at the head and the other at the feet and they said to her woman why are you weeping she said to them they've taken away my lord and I do not know where they have laid him when she had said this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but she did not know that it was Jesus Jesus said to her woman why are you weeping whom are you looking for Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. In Jerusalem, there's a path that leads from the court where Jesus is said to have been tried by Pilate. And it moves up some side streets and some main fairways to come to that place at Calvary, which is marked by this insignia on a floor that is surrounded by a number of church buildings and is supposed to be the very site out of our want to find the exactness of a place, the very site at which that cross that Jesus was crucified on was lodged in the ground, the Via Dolorosa the path of sorrow, the way of sorrow. You and I should remember that this is not just a journey of sorrow. This is a journey of hope. For us, as we reflect, there is much hope to be discovered in the nature of the journey that Jesus was making. And in fact, in our own journeys of worry and fear, admit to yourself that there are things that cause you concern this day. Worry and fear can take over your life if you allow it to be so. Our musty graves will claim us. Our sickness, our chaos, and destruction has power to claim us. Our conflict, whatever that might be in our minds, in our souls, in our relationships, can lock us into very deadly places. Now, this past Thursday evening, we gathered here in the sanctuary with nary a light on, except for the candles that were lit here at the front of the sanctuary. As the day was coming to its end, we spoke together solemn verses of this passion story of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it is without fail that it surprises me each year. At the beginning of that service, I give fair warning to those that attend that at the end of the service, there will be a loud sound that will signify to us the closing of the tomb. But mark my word, (laughs) Every time that sound comes, about half the congregation jumps. It catches us by surprise, as does this way of our living as well. We are caught by surprise of those things that control us. And Mary, the crushing blow for her was not so much that Jesus was dead. She already knew that Jesus was dead, But when she got there, the coup de grace was that the tomb where he had been laid was not sacrosanct, but had been robbed. And Jesus was no longer present in that place. She had discovered a new low in her life. Over these past seven weeks here at Pittman Park, we have been studying together the Apostles' Creed. This is a wonderful affirmation of our faith, which concludes with the words that we are remembering today. I believe in the life everlasting. Do you remember that Jesus prayed for his disciples at that last supper? And just afterwards, he was sharing this prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I tell you that this is not so much about quantity, but about quality. I know when we talk about everlasting life, eternal life, we usually think of projecting ourselves into some sort of future. And yet for Jesus, is this the way in which he spoke of eternal life? No, it was not our going to the kingdom of God, but it was the kingdom coming to us, fully investing itself in us. And this is what was going on as Mary was making her transition by the promptings of Jesus. Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And then she heard him speak her name. Mary can help, not help herself, but to run to the disciples and tell them that eternal life was breaking in at that very moment. It was this holy awareness that was invading her being. You all have heard me refer to my father before in sermons, and uh, I'm going to refer to him again. If you want to know who he is, he's sitting right there about eight rows back. But uh, my dad, my, my dear wife Sue, and I always look forward to visits from my father, Uh, My father, we never know exactly what he's going to say or what he's going to do. And uh, this trip is no exception to that. Um, Dad and I enjoy doing things together. The other day, we had to take a short trip into Walmart. And when we went into Walmart, it was to get his glasses fixed They were twisted, and they weren't sitting straight on his face, and so we had to get those fixed. But for me, a Walmart trip is just to go into Walmart and get out as quickly as you possibly can, right? This is not the way that my dad thinks about Walmart trips. A Walmart trip is an opportunity to meet a lot of people (laughs) and to carry on conversations and to wish each one of them a happy Easter what a wonderful wonderful thing it was to witness now he turned our 5 minute visit into a 30 minute trip but it was a wonder to behold my father delights in eternal life that only god can bring last night we were talking about easter sunrise service and we asked the question, dad, do you want to go to Easter sunrise? And he said, oh yes, of course. And I said, now I'll be getting up. He said, what time are you going? I said, six o'clock. I said, but we'll have to get up earlier than that. I'll be getting up at five o'clock. And he said, that's pretty early. And he said, but I want to go. And so as dad, do you mind me continuing to talk about you? (laughs) As as this morning my my alarm clock went off I pushed the snooze buzzing, uh, bu- button as I often will do for just a few extra winks and I had drifted back off knowing that it would go off again in just a moment when Sue punched me and she said your daddy is calling for you and I said what I thought something had gone wrong I met him in the hallway he was fully dressed Fully dressed, had his tie on. His words to me were, I thought you might oversleep. (laughs) And by the way, Jesus is risen. (laughs) He is risen indeed. What a marvelous, what a marvelous and holy awareness. Worship should be filled with tears and laughter and gratitude. And Mary's whole world had shifted, as did that of Peter and John and the other disciples. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. Do not hold on to what we already know, but hold on with expectation to this eternal kingdom breaking in on us. Terence Grant wrote these powerful words. God comes so we might finally get the picture of the incredible love that has always been given to us. The only real problem here is that we don't believe this good news. In fact, it's too good to be true. And because we don't believe that such a love can exist for us or for others, we hold on to grudges, we repay hurts, we destroy relationships, we commit acts of violence and war. We separate ourselves from the God who can do nothing but love. As it was from the beginning, God is forever reaching out to us, forever waiting for our return. Do you sense that God is reaching out to you today? In the end, We cannot prove that there is a God, no matter how much I will stand here and try. We look at the evidence together, but different people draw different conclusions from the evidence that is presented. Finally, however, we make a choice to believe or not to believe. Now, I know that there may be possibly someone here in this place that is here doing the quote-unquote Easter thing to be with family, which is such an honorable thing on this high and holy day. But you did not come here so much because it's a matter of belief. But I want to put before you this morning... If you are not Christian, I invite you to believe. I'm not here to tell you that I've got it all figured out. I do not. In fact, even in the reading of this passage of Scripture that was just placed before us, I must tell you that it is a mystery in several places to me. How could this be I find myself questioning and questioning. But I believe, I believe with all my heart that our Lord comes to us through his resurrection in order that we might be blessed. And I know that my life has been blessed because of it. So if you are not a Christian, I want to invite you to take the journey this day of belief. And if you are a Christian, I want to invite you to a deeper commitment to follow Jesus and to love as he loved. Now, I will warn you. That this will make your trips into Walmart to last a little bit longer. (laughs) But I can guarantee you that you will be much blessed because of this. I believe in everlasting life. Do you?